Greetings fellow slingers and agents, it's your trusted handler Brian welcoming you once again to the show and inviting you to journey with me through the virtual eye of destiny as I'm joined in the digital rage room by hard slingers of yore and new as we discuss our newest Delta Green homebrew under a pale moon. But first, gots to get down to some business and this is the business that I like. We have another shout out to our newest YouTube subscriber, Alex BD. Hey Alex, welcome to the channel. We hope you stick around. Yeah, this shit makes me all kinds of giddy. Remember, if you want to hear me give you a shout out, then head on over to our YouTube channel at World of Hard 20. Click that subscribe button, which helps us out a lot as well. And I'll blast your name out. Pretty simple. Anybody can do it. So get on over and do that. Remember, as always, leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review, especially if you're liking the show, because you know what? If you like the show and you want to help the show, then that's the way to do it. Anyways, enough of this garbage. Let's warm up our dice and top off our glass as Roll the Hard 20 Podcast presents Under a Pell Moon, Episode 8, After Action Report. kill himself he'd be dead so i'm thinking that it just simply would be that he um you might want to modify it so that he had a tattoo across his stomach and then after the scratches came they just started to fade away well that's the idea but like he was basically and maybe we'll cut this part too right or yeah this all gonna cut so um but the idea that he had committed seppuku after this you know grievous act of finishing off his clan you know burning them all and he got killed or he he committed seppuku but when the firemen came and all that that's when they took him to the hospital they were able to save him somehow and that's how he met his wife who was one of the nurses and that's part of the story but he's always had that scar and now the scar is fading because of that wound from the werewolf and not that that'll make me a werewolf or anything but just that taint that evil you know spirit now is still it's affected my body and no matter how many times i try to tattoo it over with a a black moon or a wolf skull or a wolf whatever it keeps fading and going away so i think that's just fun racky should have a good one too because he got pummeled as well yeah ramirez is going to be real messed up after this one all right well hold on let's uh let's lead ourselves in scared of dogs (laughs) more scared of dogs yes Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to World of Hard 20 Podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, and with me, the Hard Slingers. Greetings. Hello. Under a pale moon after action report, where we bring to you the behind the scenes, behind the curtain of our players, of our characters, of our scenario, and everything else that everybody wanted to know, whether you are a player or a listener, or like me, as the handler, I actually have something that I want to know. And when we get to it, I'll let you know because I got some questions. So one of the things I like to do when I'm creating a homebrew is uh, I like to keep the story in an isolated location. Sins of the Father took place inside of a small building contained within a larger building. Deep Waters was on a freighter in the middle of the Alaskan Sea. Even Gaslight was supposed to portray New Orleans as a self-contained locale. And this time was no different for Under a pale moon, I had been researching real-world locations where people had reported werewolf sightings, 
and one area that really piqued my interest was the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. Why? Well, let me tell you how this hooked into our Delta Green. Because the Wasatch Mountains is maintained by the National Park Service, and it falls under the purview of the federal government. And when three missing turned dead campers are discovered by the local forest rangers in District 3, the FBI is alerted. When the federal boys realize they might be dealing with a serial killer, they called Quantico and request that the BAU send profilers stat. That call was intercepted by Delta Green, and that's how you boys got on the scene. So, let's just kind of take it around the corner and see how everybody felt about the, the starting, the middle, the meat, the potatoes, and the <laughs> ending of it. Start with you, Romeo. So, Mom. do you want to talk about start, middle, and end? Or do you want to do like everybody start? How, how do you want to run it? Uh, just tell me how you how you felt about the overarching story, like how you got into it. Cause I have a, I have a couple different things. Um, yeah. Like, uh, one of the things was for this scenario under a pale moon agents of your polyadeso and Ichimura Kimura, Ichimaru. Ichi, Ichimaru. <laughs> so for this scenario under a pale moon agents of your polyadeso and Ichimaru Kimura are joined by unorthodox agent Romeo Ramirez Ramirez. <laughs> so it's a apple juice, dude. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? I just started this drink too, but I'm not going to give up. We're going to get give through it a this. good gargle. Um, so the thing I was going to say is joining the three of you. You know, you guys have so much like, uh, you know, un unspoken, yeah, bullshit, <laughs> um, homosexual tension um, between that. the three of you. Um, no, just you know, I felt like I was along for the ride, man. Like you guys have such like a just. Um, God, like a shorthand. That's the word I'm looking for. So coming in, I feel like myself as a player, I was like looking for, you know, where do I fit into this group? And, um, you know, co coming up against um, Tony's character, who's like the talker guy, that's traditionally the purview of Ramirez. So that was a little bit. And, um, you know, he's definitely not a tough guy, so he can't take over for Ichi. Um, so I felt like he was a little bit like searching for where he fit in and, um, you know, so that's me as the player and me as the character. It was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing on this one. Um, but we got through it. I, I felt like I got a few jabs in. Um, yeah, you actually took one over one of my major roles. Ichi always made the coffee for people. Nice. Yeah, he did. He always, brought, he always brought coffee to all the all the feds and all the local law enforcement. So get you, a cup of you, coffee. you saw some shades of that when when he was talking about Thornhill was coming. He was like, hey, I got your coffee. Yeah. The, <laughs> That whole move was uh, just to establish, like, we're here now. We're doing what we want to do in your place. And um, I think that kind of um, uh, pissed him off a little bit. And I think maybe Ramirez is going to, in the future, try to be better about playing nice with the local people. Um, that's one thing I'm taking away. I did want to say, with all the trying to keep up with you guys, I had an idea, but we were already so far into this thing that I was like, oh, that would have been good. You remember when um, we thought Muha was going down to the cell and we didn't want him to be alone with the, the perpetrator, with the, the, the guy. So Macklemore. we were like, yeah, Macklemore, we were trying to fight to get down the thing. And I kind of like stuck my foot in my mouth. I was like, all right, Romeo will just go. And I was like, you know, it would have been a really good tactic for us because he hadn't seen Ramirez at that point. You could have pulled Ramirez in as another suspect 
and put him in the other cell. And then I could have sat there like, yeah, I don't know why I'm here either, man. Why are you here? What's going on? We shouldn't be here. What's going like, you know, the like friend of my or friend enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of shit. He would have um, sniffed out the agent in you with your fancy dress attire and your mm-hmm. nice, you know, colloquial language, you know, very, uh, he would have sniffed you out. <laughs> by the way, by the way, if the listeners haven't heard all the episodes, they're already out. So make sure you listen to those before you listen to this, because this is going to be full of spoilers. So. We all died. We died. It was horrible. For us. But there was a lot of sniffing going on. I, I tried to like over accentuate that sniffing. Yeah, you caught it, Sammy. Good job. Um, yeah, but- well, the only thing is, and we may want to cut this out, is I was trying to figure out throughout the whole thing if there was something else, another layer. Because why would this adventure, out of anything else, enable us to get back into the good graces of Delta Green? And there was, I mean, it was a fun adventure, but it didn't have any um, intrigue hook or it didn't have any type of layer that would give one of the Delta Green factions an edge over any other. We didn't procure for them an edge of any kind. There was no MacGuffin to say, yeah, recover this book, this glyph, this talisman, this whatever, because that's going to give us an edge here. Or if you do this, it will curry the favor with this individual who will favor our faction of Delta Green over any other. Or there was nothing like that in the context of the story. That well, there there was with. actually in the beginning when you okay. answered the phone the first time. Mm-hmm. And Heisenberg had said that uh, they want they were going to allow you to get back in. They wanted you to go take care of this, but they wanted the specimen. They needed okay. you to, to maintain the specimen. The reason why you were chosen was because uh, Adesso and each had dealt with the IAPA back in Victim of the Art. So you guys had dealt with some kind of a monot- monstro. <laughs> <laughs> a monstrosity, juice. you know, already some kind of a monstrous entity. You guys have already had to deal with something, and you guys came out on top. And I think that one of the things that Thornhill had said was, when she got on board, was, I hope for your sake that the uh, that's a, that the specimen survived, unlike the Iapa back there at Glenridge. Yeah, you know, they wanted to make sure that you didn't destroy it because I think the you guys totally wrecked the shit out of that Iapa after you you took it out i think you cut it up in pieces and put it in the bag or something she's just like my pride oh what the fuck is this you know and oh after we shot there. it up with the, the submachine gun there wasn't much of it left we just yeah cut this memory because we were afraid of its regenerate regenerative properties if it had any so but that was that was the hook that got you guys oh, in was sure. they had figured that because you guys had already dealt with something like this that you might be successful. And if you weren't, which would mean your demise, that was acceptable for them as well. And Ramirez? <laughs> Collateral damage, of course. <laughs> Wild card. <laughs> Sammy, what did you think? What was what was in your initial ass? Uh, your your initial, ass. <laughs> My your initial, initial ass? initials of it. Yeah. Um, what are the initials on your ass? Yeah. <laughs> what was your initial takeaway on this? Well, I thought that we needed to get up there pretty quick. I figured that, you know, things would like it was a good a good setting, you know, a ranger station. I figured they would have food, they would have weapons, they would have all that. And we were we had nothing right other than what we wore on our back. So I wasn't too worried about picking up supplies and things like that. I think once we got there, 
we immediately started going in on the big things when we should have taken a look around some of the areas, especially so listeners, make sure you listen to the show before you hear some more spoilers. But we didn't check out any of the the local indigenous people relics that they had in the shelves. I'm sure there was something there that would have helped us fight or do more damage to these supernatural, you know, wolf shapeshifter type dudes we were facing. Um, I'm sure, you know, it being Indian jewelry or something, you know, with turquoise or hammered silver would have helped us out, you know, because those those guys were, they hit pretty hard. They, they didn't seem to have as many hit points as I thought they would. Um, but that was definitely a situation that could have gone really bad for us. I will say that this adventure was the first one because we had a third agent. We haven't had that since the first uh what was the that one again called Ryder? The Big Bear that one? That one was a last night at things the opera. Last. No, last, last things, things last. last. Last things last. That was the yeah. last time we had three agents, I believe, all together. So having one more agent, even though we had two opponents, we didn't really know that until midway through, but I felt like we had an upper hand physically. Plus we had Makamura and he's proven himself a, a worthy uh, you know, helper with us. Uh, I know he's not as deep into the fold as we are, but maybe in the next episodes he will be. Well, it seems like he is at this point. Um Yeah. But yeah, there there are things that we'll touch base on like with the the Indian artifacts and the multiple uh entities also. But yeah, that was um when you were dealing with one werewolf in the storage room the other one hadn't come out yet had the first one survived beyond so many rounds the other one would have entered the fray and then you would have had to deal with two of them so it was just a, a miracle that you you dispatched the first one as quick as you did because they have a, a regenerative healing factor of so many points per round and you managed to exceed that threshold and then when the second one came on the scene it was okay we dealt with this one real quick Mike dropped the flare. Now let's deal with this guy. And it, it, it kind of maintained a seamless combat where we didn't even change the uh, the initial, which it wouldn't have changed anyways because it's based off dexterity. But I think Tone hit him with a crit hit and did max damage. And that was that was huge. No, I yeah. actually didn't hit him with a crit hit. I just hit him and then it was a D12 damage and I rolled a 10. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. You, you did damn near max damage on him, and then I think he had been hit previously by uh, by Makamura, I think. But uh, where you're able to overcome their healing factor, that doesn't mean that they won't regenerate while they're dead. And that one of the things that, Sam, like you were talking about, about the artifacts of the, that the are of native descent, I didn't go into saying what was in those cabinets because I didn't want that to be a thing. Yeah, Dave? So have you guys remember the movie, the monster squad? You remember that from, you know, the eighties, no. there's a part where they blow up the wolf man with dynamite. And so like his pieces are all over and they're like, all right, we did it guys. And then you see the, like the hands that are all like dismembered, start pulling back together and he just like reforms. And yeah. And, yeah and so we don't know if, if what Thornhill and her cohort, Anna are going to do with these bodies. Because it didn't seem too distressed that they were dead. You know, you probably would have got away better if you had burned the whole place. But then, like each had said, you know, we don't want another bonfire up on the mountain and draw all this attention. But with the cabinets at the beginning, at the reception room, with all the turquoise and the silver and 
and all the arrowheads and stuff. I didn't want to dwell too much on it. I wanted you guys to to make that discovery on your own. I think um, I think so. We're doing this this campaign kind of like live, right? You know, we're doing it. We're sitting together doing all this, and we're trying to keep this as like a show, keep it moving. I think that if we were just sitting there mm-hmm. on a Friday night, no preconceived time limits or things like that, not not needing to keep it snappy and all that. We would have explored the whole thing. We would have been rooting around in their bedrooms. We would have saw what's in the fridge. You know, we probably would have done all that stuff. But playing it like it's a live situation, like we're really there, I think really keeps us on our toes. And it shows like sometimes you may miss something that's really important. But also, if we were playing it live like we were, we were there seven hours, you know, or whatever the time was it was really short like it was it was cool that it was just that quick and we were able to discern a a bunch of that stuff just that you know footloose and fancy free flying around there trying to figure stuff out see that was one of that that i to build on that when sammy said hey he sent me a text does the wound patterns on macklemore resemble the firearms like is it consistent with him being shot and I was going through my analysis, trying to get all that information out of you, Ryder. I was going, all right, answer me this question. Answer me that question. And I was going through this whole thing like I had a deposition planned in my mind. <laughs> your character. So you were doing like, it legally. We don't have time. I know. He was like, we gotta go you should have said, lift up your shirt, convict. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just quick little highlights here. Get the essential pieces of information out. And I was like, man, that would have been good. But I would have gotten to it eventually. But could have been another 10, 15 minutes of time before I got there. I I had thought about that too. I was like, maybe we offer to get the guy a shower, something like that, like a change of clothes and like, not in a creepy way, just, but that's the way we're looking at it. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, do you need, I think I had asked about a, um, a med kit and I had another idea with that too, like in our off, um, in our just texting. And, um, I had an idea, but I was like, if we can get some band-aids, some, some bandage, like, yeah, you know, let's stitch you up. That way we can Where's see. The 357 wounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, no, they weren't 357 wounds. Oh, oh yeah, yeah they were because sorry because of the the ranger that had shot him up yeah, but i did say there was a first aid kit when i described the reception room i think it's right next to the the entry door where employees only so another thought with that to build off that i was like if they have a med kit and they have any like hard like good painkillers i was going to mix it into the whiskey and then give it to the guy in the cell so it would like maybe slow him down when we eventually probably had to fight him but that's all like uh, sammy was saying you're just running through this man and you're trying to make this funny and trying to make it snappy. And you know, sometimes things happen. You can't, you know, go through every little uh, fun idea that we have. Well, you almost feel like you're under the gun in the scenario. Like you're trying to figure out what's going on. Some of the people are, are acting squirrely. In fact, everybody was kind of acting squirrely. Belden, Muha, uh, Macklemore, even Macklemore, uh, even Macklemore was, was he acting was a little, yeah, he wanted to go after that agent. Like I, I almost, I thought they might be together. The way that he was like, so we need to go save him. We need to go save him. Like, dude, like I, I had not even planned on going out there and looking for that character. I didn't want us to split up at all. But you know, the handler was so persuasive in his NPC role playing. So I'm like, all right. Plus, we had he only saved me from a raptor back in the day, so I owed him one. When you said together did you mean together or like mm-hmm. together yeah okay. together, together like yeah like partners like, uh, yes yes like sharing rings yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when they check in they only need one room <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but uh, it, it was important. I thought um, well, we'll get to this in a minute. Uh, but I, one of the things that I was I was trying to describe also was the detail of the wounds on the victims and the distinction on their necks as far as two of them were from under the left ear going towards center and one of them was from under the right ear going towards center. Um, I chastised myself. I missed that distinction. I should have been paying further attention because you made a distinction in saying left and right, which meant that I should have been paying more attention to that. Because then that would have clued me in that there was two werewolves because right now well um, when we initially came in i was thinking okay one of these guys is a werewolf i kept thinking it was muha and the guy mm -hmm. who was out there had seen him and probably knew the secret that muha was in fact the werewolf and they were, were correct cat and mouse game because every time we came into the cell the guy had something different to say like he was like oh it's not you oh well so i wasn't i didn't see two of them coming i didn't see that i missed it completely and well, i, I tr <laughs> yeah i tried to, i try to make it to where the jig is up, Muha, it was a werewolf, uh, that when he first met you guys, his weapon was on his left hip. He had a coffee cup in his left hand, and he limped over to to say hi to you guys, meaning that it mm -hmm. looked like he had been injured. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Ich and, and Makamura had gone out there and found Agent Kramer's body and his weapon that it looked like it had been fired because it had hair on the front sight. And then you get the feeling that this guy was attacked by Muha when they went out to go to the latest crime scene, and that's when Muha jumped his ass. And we he picked up on the limp. We we kind of I was talking to the group about it. I I didn't realize that Muha was right there. He's like, "Why don't you ask me about my leg or whatever it was?" When he said it was like arthritis or something. Yeah, but we didn't yeah. ask. I'm we just didn't old. ask Belvin or Belvin was his name, right? Was his name? Yeah, Belvin. Yeah, and we I didn't ask him about it. I don't recall, but you know, we should have. We we go into these things like being very formal and all that because we don't want to stir up anything. But in reality, we should have just put a gun to his head and say, "Take your pants off." <laughs> we'll <laughs> see. Take your clothes off, son. You know, there, there's a lot of information that you guys are are addressed with during the opening of the scenario. The information about where you have to go and what's going on, kind of. It's it's very ambiguous. And then you get there and you start meeting the other NPCs and you're like, well, is this guy a problem or is that guy a problem? Is he just a, a red herring? You know, because I try to make it that way, too, because I figured that if you saw Muha limping and doing all this stuff and you're like, well, this this fucking Native American, he's got to be it. And then you meet this wild dude in the cage, you know, in the, in the cell. And you're like, well, no, he's got to be this guy. And there's you're kind of, well, maybe it's Belvin because he's so clean cut. Maybe he's. He's the lure, you know, we, and I, I kind of wanted to have that going on where you weren't really sure who it was. What was the thing with you got you me, bro? He uh, <laughs> had disappeared since, you know, 30 years before or whatever. Is it the same guy? It is the same guy. He had okay. disappeared 27 years ago. He looked to be the same age. And the reason why is because being a werewolf with his regenerative factor, he ages very slowly. So he looks the same. And he's looked at the same. Now, Muha, he's like in his late 50s, or so he appears to be, but he's really like a hundred and something years old. And the reason why his wounds didn't heal as fast as Macklemore's is because at his age, his healing factor is, is degraded considerably. So it's taken longer for his body to push that round out and actually heal his body. 
I had mentioned to, to Tone and Sam, I think sometime last week when we were just bullshitting and drinking or whatever, that uh, the reason why Macklemore's wounds looked like grazes was because his body had already expended those bullets. They were in the cell. They were on the bed, like under the covers. Oh, shit. So had you guys pulled him out and searched his, his cell, you would have found the three slugs that he had been shot with. See, that's, again, crushed on time because he can only do so much. You know, that, that would have been something. Of course, how would we have gotten him out of the cell? We didn't really want to do that. We were feeling well, much better with him in the cell. Yeah, that's the thing. If we had opened up the doors and started searching it, he could have turned right there. None of us had weapons at the time, nothing. So right. that's why oh. I was saying, like, keep him in the cell. Don't He's safe in there. You know, maybe he can break out, sure. But what's up, Ryder? Which I was going to say, in, in getting to the weapons aspect, this is kind of set up a little different than some of the other scenarios where you were able to go to a green box or have a green box set up. Your green box was the storage room, you know, because it had knives, it had cold weather gear, it had tents, it had rifles, and it had that three fifty seven revolver as well. So flamethrower. Yeah, and the two flamethrowers, one of which was was broken, it would have required a craft skill to repair, and you required firearms. Uh, the firearm skill to use, which I think everybody has. So I got like a 20, I got the, the 20% from the sheet. Yeah. That means you automatically have 20% in that. And if you have like 50% in skill in that skill plus the 20, so that actually makes it 70%. So sure that 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 would change. I'm pretty sure because it's a carryover from call of Cthulhu. So, and the things that I've been seeing online and, and other places I've read, it's, they add together. So I know when I built Ramirez, I took whatever the percentage was. And then, you know, cause they were like, and add 10% to eight skills. So I'd be like, okay, this one's now 40. And then this one's four. And then like, I want to be a little bit better. So now this one's 50 like that. So I built off whatever they already had given me with respect to that. Yeah. And they have a, a cap too. I think that you can't be, greater than i think it's 95 or 99 something like that you have to have a possibility of failure so i think my top skill is 65 for persuasion fyi um i have a this is a little bit of like it's almost in like the off time stuff but um in spinning the story i had an idea on how i could use it to maintain his sanity but also like flavor wise kind of do the right thing. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. So Belvin had mentioned that he had a, a, like a wife at home and a baby on the way. So I was thinking that maybe Ramirez could use his, um, his bond with his grandfather because his grandfather's got all the legal contacts to somehow get Muha's money given to Belvin's widow. So like spin the story in such a way that Muha killed Belvin and, um, you know, that like somehow arrange the evidence to where like the money. I mean, we got the lawyer right here, but somehow the money goes to them. Um, but in doing so, he's calling in favors from his grandfather and like he really can't tell him what it's for. Um, so but he's it's like the heart's in the right place. He's trying to take care of this unborn child kind of thing. Well, one of the things you would have wanted to do probably at the time was do a Hume int on Belvin and see if he if he was even telling the truth true you know to make sure if that was even what was going on with him yeah because he seemed like the kind of guy that was that read a lot 
that watched a lot of movies that virgin you know, thought of himself well, i don't know if he was a virgin um <laughs> but he thought of himself maybe as more in than he really was and he's only 23 years old if you could remember what you were like at that age you probably you didn't think of next week probably didn't even think of tomorrow you just thought about today and how what a badass you were right now and you know you give give somebody a weapon on their on their hip and they're part of the federal government you know even though they're a forest ranger which there's nothing wrong with that but that probably gave him a sense of of authority and then he had this older mentor who was helping him and teaching him woodcraft and, and bushcraft and stuff like that and he looked at him as like a father figure so he probably would have gone the distance of protecting him up until a point where maybe he was turned you know one of those things that who knows now that he hmm. died as a human though he wouldn't be that way but i i do have something for ramirez and i have to say that there was a time that i was wondering how i was going to get macklemore out of his cell and then he came along with a late night snack on a glass <laughs> plate I, and that was exactly what I was going to do. I was going to have him pretend to commit suicide and then have the guys come in there and see him bleeding out in his cell. And that was going to be how he was going to get him out, how people were going to get out. But uh, how did he get out? He got Belvin. Belvin got him to let him out. Uh, you, said, you told us in the in the scenario, we heard this tearing of, of, of sounds. He pulled the bars apart. He was, yeah, he was in the process of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when Belvin came, because it was all off screen, and I, I yeah. hate to say it, but I probably have to listen to the playback. I would have assumed that he probably got the keys from Belvin as he killed him. So I do remember you said we heard something break, and I figured it was like a coffee cup or something. But yeah, it was I remember Belvin's pelvic bone being pulled through the bars. Well, <laughs> I, I thought I heard something like rendering, like, but I knew that he wasn't going to probably be pulling the bars apart. Um, I'd have to listen to it again. If he was pulling the bars apart, it was well within his strength to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to make sure that nobody else was around. But he he did kill Belvin at the same time. So yeah, why well, they hit so hard? It worked out for us because then we didn't have to clean anybody. <laughs> yeah well that that leads me to my next question right here in episode six how did adesso or should i say how did tone take it when each slash sam said for him to take care of belvin in the holding room because well, i have my own sweetness. theories about this <laughs> and we're going back to sweetness where we had the ex-wife in the drunk car and we were told to take care of things and clean it up so polly killed her he, he cleaned the site. So when each says clean the site or make sure clean it up, I was thinking, oh, okay, we're going to kill him. Did you get the nod? <laughs> and Sam says, don't kill him. And I was like, oh, note that I said not to kill him. Because my first thought was, okay, we're going to kill this guy. It was like, hey, Adesso, I don't want you to kill him. Right, right. You don't want me to kill him. I got it. Got no, no, it. no, Polly. Don't kill him. Please don't kill him. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Please. Don't kill him. I got it. <laughs> Keep him alive. Yeah. So, so you took it like I took it, right, Tone? That he wanted you to, to take him out, right? 
Okay. Exactly what I was thinking. I was like, okay, how are we going to do this without Muha seeing? All right, well, I've got the 357 in my pocket, so I guess I'll wait for him to turn yeah. his back and plug him in the back of the head. I, and, I can and, say I don't believe that is what I intended. Again, I'd have to listen to it again, but I can't. It's not out yet, at least at this point. So, yeah. No, not yet, but it will be. Um, in fact, by the time you listen to it, it will be. Uh, well, see, the instructions at the very beginning that you gave us as the handler were very important clean the site the people on the site are expendable that's correct i took to mean everybody can die whoever they are up there they're in our way if they don't cooperate and even if they do at the end of the day they may be cleaned also because that's just the way things happen well, to we go. know they're expendable but the goal is not to right the goal expend. is not to do that <laughs> but if it if the mission requires it or it gets to the point where we should then we do and we'll yeah. be covered for it is the way i looked at it like it bothered me that the cop that we who had in um, Victim of the Art, he was a good guy. He was helping us out and had got a good information. You played him really well, Ryder. And nah. then at the end, when he saw the creature, he went insane. I was like, oh, man, that poor guy. And that's just the way it rolled. <laughs> so I remember we set him up so that it looked like he had taken out the, the, the creature before he went out. You know, put him, we staged his body so that even though he died, he was you know, surrounded by a pile of brass with his firearm and slide lock, you know, fought to the last. Because it, it seemed to me a more fitting end for him. In the middle of a residential area. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were there were like a, a few minor threads that I was hoping you guys would, would follow through. I know like with the uh, going out to find Agent Kramer. Because I was hoping that somebody would go or two people would go out there. Because I was hoping to split the party. I didn't know how it was going to be done. But it was during that time was when Muha was going to make his play to to whoever was left behind. His Muhoove. <laughs> yeah, Muhoove. <laughs> By the way, a bit of trivia. Muha means moon in Paiute. Just had to blink, blink that, that out was a lot of... That's pretty good. Do yeah. you want a gold doubloon? <laughs> yeah, I do. I'll just sit here with my apple juice. <laughs> like you need another okay yeah see we're gonna have to do a pause i need to go get me another no i sarsaparilla. just i see i just put another glass of ice in the ice holder so Very i don't good. have to... <laughs> <laughs> that's the efficiency well i'm not Damn. i'm not that fancy i gotta go get my apple juice from the fridge i'll uh you can pause this and cut it out i'll be right back all right yeah that was a fun adventure and i enjoyed that i enjoyed it too and I, and I think that one of the things that uh that makes it feel good like for players and, and even for me is when um like what sam was saying when we just keep going like we do multiple hours and i think you really hit the hit the nail on the head with that tone when you said that you don't want to just do in one hour burst you want to do more than one hour so i know Actually, dave flows better yeah. we're still we're still yeah. in it you know what i mean we got the immersion going right dave we're all there we're all talking we're in the moment we're talking and it's just going ideas are stop. flowing and we'll see next episode it's like oh cool and then it's like yeah we're just gonna keep going though <laughs> we yeah. already know what the next episode is so that and, flows better yeah and i think i i had mentioned in one of the the intros to one of the other episodes was that the sweet spot is be is right around 55 minutes anything under 50 and it really leaves people wanting more anything over an hour and people start tuning out they want to get onto their next podcast or or do something else so I think that every time we hit that that 55 minute mark, 
then we're good to go. So that was interesting how Sam just appeared. He just like walked in through the art. Right. But yeah, when we start doing like the next season of whatever it is we're doing, we'll tr we'll try to do more than one episode at a time to try to maintain right. that that continuity of of heightened anxiety. Have you made a continuity? Have you made a decision yet as to what we're going to do? I know you said you had a couple ideas. Yeah, I've been studying up on um on a second. Yeah, I didn't I forgot we're uh recording are you going to do the video or no of this, this recording yeah, yeah i could okay because i i just got up and left so apologies it's okay no, that's gonna be the best part that's fine yeah well we kept talking while you're gone okay but that must have been boring for the listeners yeah well maybe i'll maybe i'll just maybe i'll just do audio then that we'll, we'll just do a nice screenshot of everybody you know yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah um convergence will be the next one nice so i've been going through that i'm like almost completely finished with it right I now won't read it <laughs> and then after that we'll do uh auction 127 and then we'll do um future perfect part two which i've been promising forever so so which one of those are originals auction okay because i haven't uh i don't follow any of the delta green stuff i, I knew future perfect but i didn't know about the auction yeah, that was that was the one that I was uh, already started writing, but I had to get back on the our Pathfinder two thing so I could start studying that too. But we're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus while Chris goes on vacation, and then when he gets back, I'm going on vacation. So I'll just be taking my my iPad with me and stuff and be just pecking the shit out of that. So where are you going, brother? We're taking a cruise to the Bahamas. Oh, cool! So we're going to Bermuda. That's local, so that'll work. One day. Dude, that's nice not having to fly across the U.S. to go do that. Yeah, well, we're flying Gavin out to us, and nice. we'll pick him up in Miami, and then we leave out of Miami down that way. So, is Bahamas equivalent to Hawaii in terms of like price and weather and all that kind of stuff? I think in, in terms of weather, I think it is. I don't know about pricing. Um, heard it's high end, so I'm assuming it's like that. I guess oh, the, yeah. somebody kind of related it to being down in like Ensenada, you know, where you go see the blowhole and stuff like that. Mm. So, so does anybody else have anything else they want to add to yes. the scenario? Yes. Um, so sorry guys. Um, at the very end, we had the whole thing with Rebecca Thornhill, kind of the final showdown. And I had an amazing idea but I just in the in the moment because I couldn't communicate it to you, Brian, and I was like, "This is so out of left field." He's not going to be able to just role play into what I'm thinking. But I just want to pitch this, and I want to say up front, mechanically, I'm not looking for anything here. Okay, this is just flavor wise stuff. But just hear me out. Ramirez has a bond. I've never identified this bond, right? Colleague from grad school. I've never used it. I was thinking how amazing would it be, at least for my character, that this is his person. So maybe they had like a past romance. And I'll tell you this, if we can do this, I will fucking X this person off just to have that flavor wise that he's like, oh, Becca, how have you been? Oh, I would, I would probably have to play pretty cool end up in the fucking tomb, dude. I would <laughs> probably have to, to nix that because she's part of the Delta Green lore. She wasn't a character I created. Mm -hmm. She's actually in their their handler's guide. 
yeah. as being somebody who's part of March Technologies. So maybe he has it with Heisenberg. Right. <laughs> yeah, Heisenberg. Yeah, I made Heis- yeah. So, uh, um, but you could do that with Anna. Who's Anna? Oh yeah, she was. She was, assistant. Yeah. she was her assistant. Yeah. Ah. The Ice Princess. Yes, she was the one that tried to get these two killed. Um, okay. She is not in the Handler's Guide. Well, I know in in the moment you guys kind of like jumped in there and you already had like this past with Rebecca and I had kind of like inferred that Ramirez knew the who this person was in the scene in the kitchen. But I was thinking like, how does he know her? How does he know her? And then I, I was thinking about this bond. I was like, oh, that would be so good. Um, well, and you could always play it off that somebody that you you once knew who occasionally kept in touch with you had said that she found a job with a you know this particular company and she really likes her boss you know mm-hmm. so and so thornhill you can remember the first name something like that, that was like, anna who replied yeah. to you on that fucking mm-hmm. national acquirer thing possibly oh God. Yeah. yeah i mean could have been you know kind of a one who got away kind of thing before he met his wife and yeah uh, and i like stuff know, like that cool. i mean yeah and there's always room to to put those in not just the homebrews but in the published aspects of it too because i think we brought anna in on sweetness so yeah hey writer you want to tell the listeners kind of what we're thinking about with some of your home campaigns not right now no well you got a uh, you got a little secret then coming listeners yep yep just stay tuned to all of our homebrews and uh be prepared but i want to We'll keep that tucked under around. Under we'll keep it wraps tucked. Of, keep it tucked for now. <laughs> bad like, pop like Jamie Gum. <laughs> Is he that big fat guy? <laughs> fat girl. No, I was saying. Oh, for you James. see a really bright light, and isn't it Jame Gum? Jame Jamie Gum. I don't think it was Jamie. I think it was one Jame Gum. Like that's why I remember the name. It's just like Jame. But maybe you're right. I don't know. I was wrong once. It was when I thought I wasn't right. Uh, well, what? <laughs> Thank uh, you, damn. Cosmo. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap up this wrap after up this action report. Juice. Yeah, let's put some more of that apple juice in. This after apple juice report. <laughs> All right. Say goodnight, dogs. Goodnight, dogs. Oh. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.